0: in daniel 12 the last chapter of daniel i'm taking off where i left off on watch night daniel 12 verses 3 and 4 when you can see it would you say amen those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Until when? Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. So I'm going to speak into our collective destiny from the subject, it's time to shine. It's time to shine. And I'm going to do this to introduce a series that we're going to take throughout January. Let's pray. Sweet spirit of the living God, we need you now more than ever. Desperate times require determined people cause us in this very month to find a place of determination where we are absolutely determined to be to do to have everything you created us to be to do and to have get all the glory in the word today in jesus name amen amen god bless you thank you very much and thank you very much So, I want us to examine Daniel 12, verses 3 and 4 in a bit more detail. Would that be all right? First of all, references are being made to the wise and to those who turn many to righteousness. We are told that they're going to shine like the brightness of the firmament. Well, the firmament is the sky. And the brightness of the firmament is the sun, the moon, and the stars. So they're going to shine like heavenly bodies. They're going to stand out. However, one of the things we know about the stars, about the sun and the moon, is that they don't disappear in the day, okay? Neither do they come out at night. They are always there. But it requires contrast to make them visible. Light does not shine in light. It shines in darkness. Which is bad news for anyone determined to become the light of the church. Because you will be competing with a greater light whose name is Jesus. And I don't want to compete with Jesus in his church because he is the light. You will be most effective, most visible, most influential on Monday through Saturday through your deployment in a sector, in a community, in an industry. In an initiative, in an activity that connects you with the world. Because the world is in a dark place. And it is the world that needs to see your difference. Church should not become the place where we show off and compete with each other for how spiritual we are. How deep we can be. How many songs we know. hmm? How many moves that we can do. That's not what church is about church is more about refueling. It's more of a petrol station so that we can find the energy, the grace, the courage to keep on keeping on. But our mission is in the world. That makes sense? Our mission is in the world. So those who are wise are going to shine they're going to be like the stars and they will only be visible in the contrast in the night you'll see them they'll they'll become obvious in the night and uh, of course we tend to in a city live with a lot of artificial lighting so when we look up you know certain nights you might see a star but if you were in a part of the world that had no artificial lighting, no street lights, and you were to look up. It is absolutely unbelievable how innumerable are the stars. There's just millions and millions of them. And how anyone looks at the night sky and concludes there is no God and all of this is an accident, I don't know how you did that. That's that's an epic feat of self-denial. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. It's beautiful. Okay? In fact, you could be an atheist and you'll be struck with a sense of wonder. Wow. And then hopefully you'll not be an atheist after that, but these things happen, right? (laughs) So those who are wise are going to shine. Notice... Wise. Notice the word wise. Everyone say wise. So wisdom is going to give you visibility, influence, dominion, power. Wisdom is going to cause you to light up the night. Those who are wise will shine. I want you to notice that there is a contrast here between wisdom and knowledge. Woo. Why? Because in the fourth verse, he says these words are going to be shut up, sealed, until the time of the end. In other words, these words will not mean anything to this generation, but there is a generation coming to whom these words will mean everything. That's what it means by shut up till the end. It doesn't mean that it's unavailable. It just means it will not make sense to the current generation it will only make sense to a future generation which he calls the time of the end which the end ladies and gentlemen is not the end of the world it is the end of the age it is the end of the conflict that began in the garden of eden how many know a conflict began in the garden of eden that conflict will one day come to an end and we'll know it's coming to an end because there will be signs of the times Making sense? I might need a little bit more monitor if that's possible, and, and I'm going to be good to go. So, this is going to make sense to an, a coming generation. So, so, which generation is he referring to? Let's look, look at this in more detail. Hopefully, you can still see it on the screen. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Many shall What? Run to and fro. Now, when I was young, when I was a young person, okay, I'm still young. When I was a younger person, <laughs> I always thought that, I don't know, it means people are going to be running around, just running. Many will run to and fro. But when you understand the manners and customs of biblical times and the, the, the idioms and the language, then, then you understand that the runner is a messenger. Because the way you transported a message, you couldn't email it. You couldn't, you know, the royal mail was an actual person who took a message from one king and then literally ran. Okay? Whether it was a horse, chariot, they had to move with speed to get the message to where it was going. These were the runners. So when it says many will run to and fro, he's describing an age of Mass communication. An age in which messages are literally running to and fro. Because the runner is the messenger who is carrying a message. It is a means of communication. And so he's saying that what I'm saying now is not going to work for this generation. But a generation is coming that will understand high speed communications. Knowledge will be increased, so it will not only be a generation of high-speed communication, it will be a generation that is exposed to more information than any generation before it. It's an information age. Now, by any stretch of sociological observation, we are living in the information and high-speed communications age unlike anything in human history. This is unprecedented. Even in my lifetime, I still remember no mobile phones. In my living memory, and I'm young as you can see, (laughs) or as I tell myself, I remember when mobile phones were the subjects of comic books scientific projection no one had them no one had ever seen them and when the first generation of mobile phones came out they were a briefcase like a doctor's briefcase that you had to then stop unpack pull it out pull out the big aerial dial I I I remember dialing Dialing. So you don't know what dialing is. That's how you rang someone. You dialed the number. And if your mother wanted to stop you dialing people, she got a little lock. With a key. You put it into one of the dials and it stops it. Little did she know, boys always find a way around the lock (laughs) this was the then mobile phones uh, personal computers in my lifetime I remember no such thing as a personal computer in your home computer sat on the entire floor of an office block not a room the floor then they got smaller and smaller and smaller, and then the advent of the personal computer, all in my lifetime. Actually since the 80s, that's when the internet was invented, in the 80s. Not in the 40s, not in the, not in the 30s, in the 80s and 90s. We moved into this age of information and high speed communications. To where today, you can communicate for free, technically, with virtually anyone, anywhere in the world, in real time. You could be sitting here now, texting someone in Australia, in real time. Some of you, can, you can actually video this message and have your relatives in the Caribbean, or in Africa, or Asia, watching the service in real time. That's unprecedented. We are the generation that has more access to more information than more people have ever had in the history of the world. You are holding in your hand, if you have a smartphone, access to the largest library in the history of the world. There are cities that were one time visited because of the size of their libraries as a tourist attraction. I have much more information than is held in any one city right now and I have access to it through my phone. We are clearly the generation of increased knowledge. We are clearly the generation where people are running to and fro and knowledge is increased. This is a prophecy concerning our day. And if you can see it as you look on the screen, somebody shout amen. Amen. So, that's the generation that we're in. And yet, it is the wise who are going to shine, not the knowledgeable. Wisdom here stands in contrast to knowledge because everyone has knowledge today. Did you know that? If you don't have knowledge today, it's because you don't want to know. It's not because you couldn't afford the education. It's that you don't want to know. Because with or without money, you can find out virtually anything you need to know about anything you need to know. Did you know that? And you can find it out now before my sermon's over. You can find it out. I have sat in events I have sat in events. Heard the praise team singing a song that I roughly know. I think I really want to know the words of that song. Let me find out what the words are. Ah, what do you turn into? Oh, thank you. I got the words. I got them two seconds. After I decided to look for them. I've sat in weddings knowing I'm to give a speech in five minutes. Thinking I need a new wedding joke. Tap, 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 tap. (laughs) Got me a new wedding joke? Get up there and say it. Sometimes it lands. Sometimes it crashes. But I was able to get it. We are the first generation in the history of the world that have access to that level of knowledge. So it cannot be knowledge that sets us apart. I find that knowledge generates a lot of opinion, contention, and arguments. If if you follow some of these Facebook feeds where people are having a big argument, they're arguing over knowledge, things that they know. And then there is the illusion, perpetrated often by good-meaning people, that knowledge is power. Listen to me. Knowledge is potential power. Everyone say say it with me. Say knowledge is potential power. Knowledge is like an arrow in the bow. It is loaded with what the physicists would call. Elastic potential energy. It has potential power. But. If it's in the bow, it moves nothing, it does nothing, it impacts nothing, it serves no purpose, not the purpose for which it was made, so long as it is in the bow. It's only at the point that it is released that the potential power is converted to what's called kinetic power because now you have put the arrow into motion and you can't impact anything without motion. So knowledge is potential power. And you can spend the rest of your life generating potential power. But what's happening is the more you generate it is the tighter you become. You ever made these tight people? Huh? They're stressed. I'm gonna go to a seminar, get some more knowledge. Go to church and listen to Bishop. Wow, what revelation. You're just like, you're just this walking ball of potential energy. And you must be frustrated. You have to be. It can only frustrate you to know so much about so much and have so little to show for it. Good preaching, Bishop, it must be frustrating to know all the 66 books of the Bible, back, front, side, and you still, there's nothing to show for it. It's just potential power. And I feel it for people right now because there's like an assumption that if I know something, it'll change my life, but it won't change your life. Unless you do something about what you know. It it won't change. It actually changes your life for the worse. Because so long as you don't know how to do something. You have in yourself an excuse for not doing it. You can forgive yourself for not doing something you don't know how to do. But once you know how to do it and you're still not doing it. You can only condemn yourself. Because I know how to. I just, I just, you know. So what people start to do when they find themselves procrastinating and failing to execute on their God ideas. Failing to release the arrow and put things into motion. What they start doing is looking for more knowledge because the assumption is that, that actually I need to find another way to do it because this way is not working. Ah, uh, whilst overlooking the obvious. Actually, almost all of the ways work if you work them. But nothing works that you don't work. This is so good. Nothing works that you don't work. I'm going somewhere today. Watch this. Very often in a seminar about finance, we are just listening to someone say in another way what we already know. And we feel it sometimes and we get bored. That's not talking about the budget, you know, very important that you, that you budget, that you know what you owe, that you know what you have, that you live within your means, that you save, that you invest. And we're like, yeah, that's really cool. It's really good. And it's not it's really good because it's new. It's good because that's a new way of saying what I already know. Right? And so we're looking for someone who's going to say it in a way that makes us do it. But the reality is that you are the only person that can make yourself do anything (laughs) that you do. And that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. You see, knowledge is... Potential. Wisdom is kinetic because wisdom is a verb. It is an action word. It's a doing thing. You are not wise in your thinking. You are wise in your doing. And, you know, people feel wise in their thinking because they have lots of knowledge. But actually, you are not wise until you are doing what you know. You are not wise because you know what to do. You are wise when you do what you know. That's the distinction between wisdom and knowledge. You will find that wisdom in the Bible is linked to smart choices and great decisions. People who make the best decisions and who make smart choices are wise. Not people who don't make the decisions but then say afterwards. Because we got these hindsight prophets, right? I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. I just knew that was going to happen. What do you mean you knew it was going to happen? I just, I knew it was going to happen. You knew it was going to happen, but you didn't do anything about it. But you knew it was going to happen. These hindsight prophets, okay? Very important that those kinds of statements don't single you out as wise. What singles you out as wise is the decisions you make and the choices that you make Because at that point, your knowledge is informing your motion and your direction. So that wisdom has everything to do with a journey. Everyone say a journey. One more time, a journey. Yeah, wisdom is about getting from where you are to where you want to be. It's about how you get there. It's not about how you imagine it. It's about how you get there. Wisdom is is always linked to a journey. Wisdom is the, the map that takes you from intention to outcome. It's the route you take from your intention to your desired outcome. And whoever is not taking at making a journey is not wise. Your power is potential. It's not kinetic until you are in motion. Which now brings us to the whole idea. Where am I going and why? Am I going anywhere? At all. So let's be honest about this. New year, 2020, praise God, praise God. In reality, many people are going nowhere in 2020 will achieve nothing in 2020. We'll be in exactly the same place this time next year as you are right now, if not worse. This is what's going to happen. We're not understanding that outcomes require a journey from the place of intention to the outcome that you desire. Listen very carefully. The journey from intent to outcome, the journey from what I want to what I get, is the journey of a thousand choices. The journey of a thousand choices. Because in between what I want and what I get are going to be daily choices. Hello now. Daily. Not just the big ones. It's the little ones that are the most important. Because you're going to choose what time you go to bed. You know that. Which is going to impact on how much energy you have the next day. You're going to choose what time you wake up. And you're going to choose what to do as soon as you wake up. You're going to choose what you will prioritize that day. You're going to choose what you take on and what you take off emotionally. Because we're all tempted to take on emotional burden. Sometimes based on someone's actions, they're acting in a way. They're inviting you to take on that emotional baggage. And other times you're just imagining that they're acting that way and taking on that emotional baggage But it is your choice as to do I carry that negative energy with me into the day or do I find a positive energy and carry that with me into the day? Do I forget my goals or do I remind myself of my goals? Do I start my day with God or do I just assume that God's with me anyway? Do I get up and pray or do I just get up and run? These are your choices. The journey from your intention to your ultimate outcome is the journey of a thousand choices. And, and it is the maze of difficult decisions. How many of you have ever been in a real maze before? You Ever been in a maze? I've been in a maze. I went in a maze. You know, I don't know what possessed me. I decided this adventure thing. There's a maze. Go through the maze. All right, I'm going through the maze. No problem. I don't know how people get lost in mazes. It's pretty obvious. They told me before you go in, if you do get lost... That way, you can get out of the maze, walk down the side of it, because it's quite a tricky one. So they have certain exit signs, so you can walk out. (laughs) Me. (laughs) No way, especially as uh, there were several stories of of a building in which people could have lunch and watch people in the maze (laughs) through the glass. (laughs) I'm thinking, no one's watching me. Going to the exit. But you go in. You're forced to turn left. You're forced to turn left. Then you're forced to turn right. Then you have a choice. Oh, okay, let me try this one. It's a, okay, now that's a dead end. Let me go back and try. Oh, no, that's a dead end. How did I even get in here? Okay, let me try to go back on myself to see where I... And after 10 minutes, I had made virtually no progress at all. After 20 minutes, I am seriously considering the exit. And after 30 minutes, I concede defeat. And I walk to the exit. But because of the way I was raised, you even style out your defeat. That's right. (laughs) No shame in my game. I know when to quit. <laughs> Life can be like that. The journey from what you want to what you get, from what you promise to what you possess, from your intention to your outcome is the journey of a thousand choices and the maze of difficult decisions. And the truth is that when it comes to your destiny and your purpose, you simply cannot make the right decisions, make the right choices without help from above. See, I would have made it if those people above were not watching in order to, uh, to see me lose, but were watching and hoping for me to win. I could have made it with some navigation, with some assistance, with some help. And see, this is why... Wisdom is the principal thing in 2020 because I'm on a journey as you are on a journey in 2020 from what's promised to what I possess. That journey is the journey of a thousand choices and I've got to make lots of micro choices every day. And then there will come those big decisions that you have to make about where you're going to deploy your energy, what you're going to invest yourself into, what you're going to cut off. Because how many of you know you can't give all you, you can't give your energy to something new while it's tied up in something old. So you're having to make choices not just about where you put your energy, but where you take energy from to put there in the first place. There are things you're going to do more. There are things you're going to do less. There are new things you're going to do, and there are things you're going to cut out altogether. These are the kinds of decisions that you're going to have to make. And in the process, you need guidance. Everyone say guidance. All right, just a few more minutes. The wise men embarked on the mission impossible to find a baby in another country. No TV, no radio, no, no mobile phone, no satellite navigation, no coordinates. We're going to find him. Why are we looking for him? Because we know he is born. We have enough evidence in ourselves that he is born, and we're going to find him. And they embark on the mission. They're coming from the east, and they are on the journey of a thousand choices. They could have gone any way, any particular way. But they made it. And one thing they knew is that they couldn't have made it without help from above. Without a star, you simply would never have found the Christ. With all the will in the world, you needed guidance from above. Because not only are there T-junctions, not only are there crossroads, not only are there dead ends... There are traps in the road, things that are deliberately set up to tie you up and bind you and slow you down and derail you. There are false signs on the road and without guidance from above, you are absolutely going to make the wrong decision. So these guys are moving forward while they're looking upwards. Everyone say move forwards and look upwards. Moving forwards, but they're looking upwards because they're getting guidance from heaven. So, what I really stopped by to say today is like, you know, how can I get how can I get guidance from heaven? Well, you know, number one, uh, I think it's important for you to believe that heaven wants to guide you. Yeah, it's important for you to value spiritual information. It's important for you to value the intervention. And the actions of God in your life. Why would heaven help you in the first place? Let's give three points and then we're going to close. Will that be good? Three points and then close because there's too much in this series for me to even start now. I mean, if I had time, I would begin to tell you that wisdom is your, is your key to wealth, to health, to happiness, to power, to influence, that none of the things that you want in life or that you feel you're promised can be accessed outside of wisdom. So we're going to break down wisdom over the month, and I'll take you into the Proverbs, some amazing secrets that are in the Proverbs. But for now, why should God help you get from where you are to where you want to be? Why should he help you? Yes, Lord. feel sometimes. Point number one. You must have a worthy goal. I mean, if your goal is not worthy of divine assistance, why would he give it? You know, some people's goal in life just falls beneath asking God for help. Sometimes it's because your goal is too small. It's too small to merit divine intervention. You know what I'm saying? It's like me as a child. I say, Mom, how do I spell this particular word? You know what she would say? The dictionary is over there. Go find the dictionary and find it out yourself. There are some things that are so small that the only how God can answer your prayer is to tell you to go figure it out yourself. Because if he figures it out for you, he's teaching you the wrong lesson entirely and dumbing you down instead of building you up. Your goal has got to be big enough so that it warrants an intervention. It has to be a worthy goal, something that's worthwhile. And something that's worthwhile is typically something that that is of benefit to others beyond yourself. I mean, if my goal is about me and my ego, why should heaven help? Because your ego is is. Is lying to you about fulfillment in the first place. Your ego is telling you that if you get this rich and this much and that you'll be happy. That's a lie. So God's not going to endorse the lie and actually help you manifest the best imaginations of your ego. No. Your goal must be a worthy goal. That was one one say I have a worthy goal because it's bigger than me and it's not just of benefit to me and it will be a blessing to many others if I can achieve this goal. It's a worthy goal. Number two not only must your goal be worthy but you must be Motivated by the right reasons. Notice with me, the wise men were not trying to find Christ to get something from him. They were looking for Christ to give something to him. The wise are going to be those who are looking to give. The fools are going to be those who are looking to take, to get. And this is the contrast between the wise men and Herod. God helped the wise men to find Christ, but he didn't help Herod. They're both looking for Christ. They're looking for Christ for two different reasons. The wise men are looking for Christ so they can give. Herod's looking for Christ so he can take. God's not helping Herod find Christ. God is confusing Herod entirely. But he's helping the wise men. Because you're not just going towards a worthy goal, you're going for worthwhile reasons. Woo! This is good, right? That was two. 3 And then we I'm going to challenge you and we're going to close. The wise men were trusting in the guidance of heaven. They actually trusted that if I follow this star, I will find what I'm looking for. That takes faith. It's called faith. Actually, to find what you're looking for, it's going to take faith. And faith is going to mean acting on spiritual information, acting on revelation, sometimes acting on a gut instinct that you know is connected to God. It's about not being superstitious but reading signs, understanding that you don't accidentally meet people for accidental reasons and there is no coincidental things that are happening, but that actually I'm being guided in some way. It's important that you believe that God is all over your life, that he's all over your business, that he has a vested interest in you finding what you're looking for in you making it where you're going because you're going to give something to something that he cares about. Hallelujah. And so with those convictions, number one, what I'm going for is worthwhile. It's a worthy goal. It's a worthy goal. I can expect the intervention of heaven. I am going for good reason. I'm not going to take or to get. I'm going because there's too much in me to give. I'm going because nothing could be more tragic than for me to live and die, than for me to live full and die full. You want to live full and die empty. Wish I had some help in here today. You want to live full and you want to die empty. You want to get what God has given you out and create a lasting legacy that will far outstretch you, outlive you, and outreach you. You want to touch people's lives that you will never meet. You want your life to count. You want to make a mark on your generation that cannot be erased. When you have worthy goals like that, you are commanding the intervention of heaven. When you're doing it to give and when you are trusting, In the power of heaven to guide you, you will command divine intervention. I close with this. Not only will you command the intervention of heaven, you will become the intervention of heaven for somebody. You see, those who are wise will shine. They will become stars in someone else's life. And here's your real purpose in the world. Do you know what your real purpose in the world is right now? It really is to become the star of Bethlehem for some wise people who are looking for something they'll never find without you shining. If if I stop shining, there are dimensions of grace you will never find. Because I'm the star that God set in your midst for you to follow. By the same token, you are the star that has been set in the midst of a circle of people. And without you shining, they'll never find. They'll never find the graces. They'll never find the gift. They'll never find the answer. They'll never find the solutions because you're not shining. Why are you not shining? Well, I'm not shining because I'm not really doing anything about all the things I know. I know so much, I do so little you're not shining I'm not shining because I'm afraid to shine because when you shine you get noticed and when you notice people make comments and I don't like people making comments because I can't handle criticism so I'm afraid to shine so I'm just gonna stay in my little corner because I don't want to be seen it's your time out for that level of fear this year you must shine this year you must sing your song this year you must you must tell your story this year You must come out of hiding this year. You have to come out of obscurity, and you have to let your light shine. And it's about letting your light shine. It's not about competing with my light, because light doesn't shine in light. The minute you find yourself competing with someone else's light, you're you're in the wrong space. You're not there to compete with someone else's light. You're there to be the best version and rendition of yourself that you possibly can be. There is is an arena of darkness that God has put you in so that you will become the light of that world. You must become the light of your world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then he said, You are the light of the world. How does that work? I show you. I must have been preaching good. I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. How does that work? It works like this. I am the sun. You are the moon. I am on fire. But you are not. You are a reflector of my light. And because you are designed to reflect my glory, when people see you, they know that I'm still around. Your job is to get in a relationship with me where you reflect my glory. What was the moon created for? This is my final close. Help me, somebody. What was the moon created for? to rule the night he set the lights two lights one to rule the day and the other to rule the night those who are wise are going to rule the night they're going to run the show they're going to be on they're going to be they're going to be in command in charge i want you to stand with me now Stand with me now. we're going to ask God for wisdom to make smart choices. Do you know that showing up here today was a smart choice? Yeah, right? It was a smart choice. It was a wise act. There are lots of people who know that it's good to go to church to get some spiritual energy? But only the wise will actually prioritize it and do it. I'm so glad you did. I'm so glad I did. want you to lift your hands to the Father. God said if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. We're going to ask God for an endowment of wisdom today. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are looking to you for wisdom. We're looking to you for understanding. We're looking to you for direction. For strategies and for solutions and to help us make those choices those 1,000 choices that confront us on a daily weekly and monthly basis so that we are consistently moving in the direction of our destiny so that we are consistently uh, growing in grace and the knowledge of Jesus father we pray that we will not become a generation of knowledgeable fools that we will not be the generation that knows how to do everything but doesn't do anything That we will be the people who execute on a God idea. We will be the people that put the word of God into practice. We will not be hearers only, but we will be doers of the word. We will implement the ideas that the Holy Spirit puts our way. And we will set our lives in motion. Today, we thank you for releasing us from the boat and setting our lives in motion. We are moving now and we are moving with divine guidance like a divinely guided missile. We are moving in the direction of our destiny and we declare and proclaim today that we will hit our target. We will fulfill the purpose of our existence. We will fulfill our destinies. We will manifest and realize our highest potential and this we have prayed today in the magnificent name of Jesus. Now, if that prayer is real for you, give the Lord a great hand clap and thank him that your life is in motion. Your life is in motion. I'm in motion now. want you to touch your neighbor. Say, neighbor, be careful. I'm in motion now. I want you to say to your other neighbor don't look for me in the same place next week I'm in motion now. I want you to look at someone behind you and say if my mind changes it's alright because I'm in motion now. And if you Watch me this year. You're gonna find my, my mind changing. You're gonna find my emotional intelligence going to new levels. You're gonna find my spiritual connectivity going to new levels. You're gonna find me in a new psychological place, a new financial place, a new place of wisdom, a new place of discipline. You're gonna find me in a new place because I'm in motion now. I'm in motion now You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www icanncommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.